0: everybody, welcome back to Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. Uh, uh, So much is happening. Uh, I'm very excited to talk about this episode. Uh, If you notice little differences in today's video, it is because Mike is on the road. Mike is out doing a, uh, he's starring in a production of a musical. And uh, you you can pay money to see him perform in musical theater uh, in nay, a week or so. Uh, but that means he's traveling, and so we're doing this a little bit differently. So uh, we're probably going to up a bunch of stuff. Bear with us. It'll be better once he's back from his
1: show. Uh, how's it How's it going, Mike? Uh, it's it's going well, Keith. We're talking about uh, Duet today, although I should probably put all of those in post so that you could be underneath them. Correct? Eh, sure, whatever. Eh. It depends on how much work you yeah. want to do. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Uh, no, it's going well. It's um, I'm in the middle of the Adirondacks, so it's uh, a very uh, difficult uh, internet experience. But we're going to do our best to uh, not uh, screw up too bad, so that you can be a part uh, and see how great w- we look and talk about this great episode. That's most most yes. important, Keith. At the end of the day, this is a great episode of Star Trek.
0: See, you know, this is this is where we are called upon our our, our greater goodness to get over the fact that we're not lit well. Because we have a fantastic episode to talk about this week, I'm so excited. Uh, we're doing season one, episode 18, duet. Um, but before we do, before we do that, before we you know beg for your money and, and talk about the patrons, we I, I think we should acknowledge that uh, this is the first episode that we're back since we lost Nichelle Nichols, um, another one of the our legendary original series cast, um, an icon in sci-fi in civil rights in um in a lot of different ways and by all accounts a just a fine person and so uh we certainly uh wish her well as she continues into uh whatever is next and uh we you will be missed and uh yeah so just anyway Michelle nichols uh uh best wishes to your family and uh and everybody else so uh I, I don't I don't have a good transition from that, but I will transition to uh I think it's time that we uh we talk about our patrons on uh, patreon.com mm. yes. slash K and m where they're getting all sorts of bonus materials, some of which we owe them, but uh nonetheless, there's a lot of really fun stuff up there. We have bonus episodes, we have watch Mike sleepily watch Deep Space Nine. I can't I can't wait to watch your you watching duet last night after twelve hours yeah. of tech.
1: After a ten out of twelve, was I'm assuming. Uh, so. Yeah, we've started that. It's been it was great.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> so Mike, to cheer you up, why don't you shout our
1: patrons? Yes, we've got Brian Kaufman, thank you, Casey Clark, Cloudlover69, Jorge Novoa, and the mysterious Alan Zimmerman, CRM Productions, Charles Babbage, and welcome to welcome the family. To the team. He just uh, he just beamed aboard. Kyle Sweeney, we're happy to have you. Happy to finally get your name uh, on the episode. And you too can join us here at patreon.com slash K and M. Get your name on this graphic that Keith loves to update. Man, I, this one's fun to update because uh, uh, no, seriously. It, means, it that, means it's happening.
0: Sometimes it's annoying. This is never annoying to update. Uh, but uh you know what it is annoying? It's us begging you. If you haven't subscribed, do us a favor, give us a like, give us a subscribe, hit the notifications bell because it really does. Help us grow our little show here. Um, there's and, and look, I just want to say I appreciate you watching this. I appreciate you uh, mm-hmm. joining us on this journey. I know that there are a lot of other shows similar to ours, and uh, I listen to them too. I love them. So, uh, but nonetheless, I very much appreciate uh, you joining us for this. So, uh, Mike, what do you say we start talking about the world around duet? Yes, Keith, I think we shall. All right. Well, duet aired on Sunday, June 13th, 1993. The top song, you ready, Mike? Continued to be That's the Way Love Goes, Janet Jackson's masterpiece. Let's hear it, Mike. That's the Way Love Goes. Something like that? I have no idea. Uh, The (laughs) top movie. Now, this one I'm excited about. Because sometimes, you know, the thirty-year-old top movie, like, oh, I don't remember that, or like, oh yeah, that wasn't very good. That was the very nineties. Do you know what the top movie was this Mike? This, this Mike? This week, Mike? No, Keith. I
1: can't wait for you to tell me. In fact,
0: it's Jurassic Freaking Park
1: debuted this weekend. <laughs> 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 yes,
0: I mean. John Williams, thank you. Steven Spielberg, thank you. Uh, <clears throat> what yeah. a groundbreaking film that was in so many ways. Uh, saw it in the theaters; it blew my mind, just like everybody else who saw that for the first time. Um, still holds up remarkably well. Um, just mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's Jurassic Park. I don't. I don't need to say anything more about that. And no amount All of, of the nonsense. All sequels are shit. That one. That one works. Well, I mean, the sequels are what you expect a dinosaur movie to be. You know, it's fun, it's action, it's chomp, chomp, run, 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 run.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: The first one is so amazing because it exceeds that. It's a movie. Like, it's it's a real-life movie that just happens to have dinosaurs running around chomping people. And it has something to say, and and so... You know the rest of them. I don't. I don't hold it against them. I love dinosaurs eating people. Run, run, boom, boom. That's great. It's just that the original was like so much elevated. So anyway, the uh, New York Times headline says the UN says attack dealt heavy blow to Somali faction. Um, there was uh, a there's stuff going on in Somalia at that point. Not just Bosnia. It was it was a. uh... Oh wait, no. Bosnia is in our other podcast. Well, nonetheless, we in <laughs> nineteen and 2000, no, what am I thinking of? Oh, no, I guess it is now. I don't know. I give up. This uh, episode, let's talk about this episode, because we're a mess, yeah. the world is a mess, uh, but this episode is not. Uh, Duet was directed by James L. Conway, who directed seven episodes of Deep Space Nine, three episodes of Next Generation, and four episodes of Voyager, uh, first time on Deep Space Nine. The show has a teleplay by Peter Allen Fields, who last wrote Progress, uh, interestingly. Uh, another Kira-based episode. It has a story by Lisa Rich and Janine Jean- and Kerrigan Fauci, who both worked on, wait for it, Move Along Home. Crazy, right? And then Duet. Okay, all right. Hey, whatever. So I think it's time. Uh, Mike, we do something a little a little trivial. What do you say? Now keep waste your time with trivial trivia just, uh, just three of them here. The uh, plot of uh, duet is similar to Robert Shaw's 1967 play, "The Man in the Glass." Man in the Glass Booth." Um, a production. One of the productions of which starred Leonard Nimoy. And it's a play about the Nuremberg Trials. And uh, so it has a very similar sort of a structure to this. um, Great source material. Uh, I'd love to have seen Leonard Nimoy do that part. So cool. Um, All right, so the next piece is we solidify in this uh, episode that the Cardassian occupation of Bajor is a metaphor for the Nazis' occupation and war in World War II. Um, And I think that that is a really important piece of information that we've been hinting at thus far in the show, and this really does solidify it. And I think that um, uh, we'll talk about it. The last piece of trivia about this episode specifically is it's, once again, another bottle episode. And Peter Allen Fields, uh, the writer, said that producers came to him and said, Hey, Pete. Can you do us a favor? Can you write an episode that costs nothing? And and did. And, you know, sometimes when you have limitations, when you have restrictions, it, it really, you know, cramps your style and limits what you can do and makes for an inferior episode. And sometimes it opens the door for something like this. And uh, it's really, really cool. So the guest stars this week include the return of Mark Alimo as Gull Ducat. We have Robin Christopher as Neela. We have uh, Norman Large as the Koberian Captain, who also, uh, Norman also played two characters on Next Generation, three on Deep Space Nine, and two on Voyager. And, of course, Harris Yulin as Maritza, um, a legendary mm-hmm. actor who has done a ton of work on television and film. He has an Emmy nomination for, would you imagine, Frasier is what he has his Emmy nomination for.
1: Who was he on Frasier? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look it up. Huh. uh, You learn something every new. Every new. (laughs) Every day?
0: (laughs) Folks, you learn something every new here on Keith and Mike.
1: Watch Deep Space Nine. Keith and Mike loses... Mike loses his mind while Keith watches and laughs. What? Well, it's kind of exactly what's happening. But
0: look, yeah. you know, Mike is uh, starring in a show that's going up in what ten days of rehearsal?
1: Less than that, much less than that. <laughs> less- we we have our first preview Thursday. Oh my god! Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and he just did tech.
0: Now, if you're not in the theater, uh, the the tech days usually end in what we How we uh, we. Uh, we nicely call a ten out of twelve, which means you are working ten hours out of twelve straight hours. Yeah, and we uh, have another one tomorrow. You have another? another oh, another one. Well, that's fun. Uh, he played Jerome Belasco in an episode of Frasier called "A Word to the Wise Guy." Okay, so uh, there you go. So, uh, Mike, what do you say? Rest your voice because you've okay. got a you've got a show, and uh, let other Mike. Sing us into our screening room. (laughs) For me. Okay, so the teaser... Of duet begins with Kira and Dax chatting about their ill-spent youths when a freighter hails asking to dock. The captain says he is a sick passenger with a condition called colonora. Kira is immediately lost in thought. And uh, she decides she wants to meet this person because this condition was only found in the survivors of a mining accident on Galatep, a forced labor camp during the occupation that she helped liberate, and that the survivors were a symbol of strength and courage to the Bajoran. Um, and Cisco uh, gets it immediately and tells her to take as much time as she wants. So, um, first off, cool alien design on the uh, very cool on the, mm-hmm. on the captain of the freighter there, um, and uh, already I can sense in this episode that. Oh, we're this. This is like a a serious thing, um, and I I, yes. I really like that. Um, Cisco immediately gets it,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: I think that's just good leadership. He's like, I, oh, yeah, I can I can I can read between the lines. Sometimes the characters don't read the subtext, but uh, in this right. case, yep. he uh, he definitely did, and I think there's a, um, you know, and and in Cisco getting it, I think there's two levels of storytelling happening there. One is about cisco that he mm-hmm. is that he is a good leader he understands the importance of these things but i think it's also what we're going to do throughout this entire episode is reinforce how devastating and serious this occupation was and mm-hmm. that um he treats it with the reverence we do world war Two, and and i think that that it Even though we don't know anywhere near the extent of this, we see in his reaction, like, oh, okay, yep. Um, And I think that that's that's good storytelling. So, uh, when Kira arrives at the infirmary, she is shocked and appalled to see that the survivor is actually a Cardassian, not a Bajoran. She calls
1: security immediately. So, what were you feeling here, Mike? Well, I mean, it was clear that she recognized him or she, she thought that she did. At least that's what I thought from the top. And uh, I like that uh, she calls security in and there's this bit of tete-a-tete. At first, I thought this was going to be one of those plot lines that we've kind of already explored where he knows her, she knows him, and we're going to take the episode to discover what where they bumped into each other before. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that it goes a different way because, uh, you know, they're... They uh, have kind of we've kind of done that episode earlier on in the season, in fact, mm-hmm. very early in the season. So uh, this was good, but, but I'm I'm kind of off kilter, and I know that uh, actually from this just from this little tête-à-tête here, you knew that we were going to get some serious acting chops this episode.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, there's a couple of interesting layers retroactively when you look at this uh, this initial thing. One, he tries to run and is mm-hmm. caught almost immediately, which is interesting when you look back retroactively at his plan.
1: Mm-hmm. Once you understand it. It's funny. It. I think I joke I think I joke in the watch along that I was like, oh he's pretty slow. He's got a hitch in his get along, which actually tracks him on many levels because it seems like he wants to get caught, but also right. he's sick.
0: Right. Right. So there's there's many different layers there. And um we don't know it yet, but your assumption that she knows him is wrong. It's merely right. that he's a Cardassian. Um mm-hmm. which is uh which is interesting. He, in this interaction, uh, accuses Kira of hating him because he's a Cardassian, and Kira calls him a war criminal. So Sisko and Kira meet with Odo
1: in his office. Though potential wormhole, like, Mm -hmm. when it turns out he is who he is, if he had really had his face reconstructed, she should have recognized him.
0: Well, I don't think she knew what um, the... Oh my god! I can't believe I forgot his name. A Gull Darhil
1: looked like. I yeah, I guess he's not like the Hitler symbiote. He's more no, no, no. uh,
0: He's he's basically it's it's a
1: stand-in for for one of the
0: concentration camps. So it's like a leader. Mm -hmm. So like you, if you were like a a history nerd, you like everybody knows what Hitler looks like. If you're a history nerd, you might know who like Goebbels looks like, but most people wouldn't be able to like oh that's that's gerbils or whatever and i think it's sort of that level of thing where she's certainly like you know the name right and Mm -hmm. um so i i think that's the level that she's at so she she didn't know what it looked like um so uh kira oh oh god i'm i'm an act two now i scrolled down so cisco and kira meet nodo with his office the Cardassian's name is maritza and he's not listed on any of the war criminal lists and Odo's very clear to point out, I have them all, um, which, is, which is interesting. Um, Kira doesn't care. She explains that the only way he could have contracted colonora, which is the disease that he has, uh, is by being at Galatep when the accident happened. And uh, they liberated it 12 years ago, and, uh, and she was a part of that, and discovered absolutely brutal atrocities. Um, so here's where it's... Uh, all the more clear that this is a stand-in for a concentration camp, um, you know, and I think those of us who, um, you know, grew up in the 20th century, and uh, obviously we were not a part of it, but but we grew up with that sense of reverence, with that sense of like stakes to that, and um, you know, and one of my dear family friends was one of the people who did liberate a concentration camp, and that comes with it, um, a specific type of trauma. That I think that we mm. see in Kira, that obviously it's not the trauma of being there, but even but even the act of witnessing it, of rescuing when you're there to fix up, like that's that's stuff you're going to carry with you for the rest of your life.
1: Yeah, and I th- I think what's great in this in this bit too is that yes, I think they rely heavily on the the analogy they're making and our our emotional baggage and stakes and heft that we. We align with that. So they do some quick, you know, they emotionally take some shortcuts by using that analogy. However, I think uh, Nana Visitor here really still in this little monologue she gives where she kind of breaks down and it's really only a couple of lines of dialogue. Yeah. She really reinforces those stakes and gives the emotional weight there too. So I think it's really it really profound how how quickly she's able to get up to speed emotionally uh, very quickly in this, this scene. Well,
0: and it's and I think that's where you start to we start to see the the abilities of the actress. And and uh by the way, and we've been saying it wrong this whole time, it's Nana. Not Nana visitor. Nana visitor. Okay. Nana visitor. My bad. Um no I was getting it wrong too. Uh and I've been a fan for 30 years. But yeah, I mean you can see that she clearly knows as the actress what this means to the character. And so the character, you know in and, and and Kira it's not gonna take very long to get to that emotional place. <laughs> when you're talking right. about this sort of stuff. It's really good, really good performance. Um, so Cisco decides to talk to Maritza alone in his holding cell. Uh, he asks him how he contracted Kalanora. And Maritza says it's a different but similar condition. And he denies working at the camp or ever having been on Bajor. Um, and I think at this point we've established that Maritza was a file clerk. Um, mm mm-hmm. Uh, apparently at the camp so we have another lie here uh, that he does which again retroactively his his like deception that he's trying to pull off here is very sophisticated plotted yeah and and it's like he's he's not just pretending to be this guy he's pretending to pretend not to be this guy and and has like he he he's built these intentional walls that they have to break through to add credibility to his story, um mm-hmm. which is brilliant. I mean, this this guy, I mean, Maritza, this this guy is clearly brilliant in how he has orchestrated this whole thing. Um anyway, so on the other side of the brig in the drunk tank, a Bajoran complains about being in the same cell as a Cardassian. Um and uh, I think, you know, I I think the performance here of the drunk throughout the whole episode is could have been a little bit more nuanced than it was.
1: Yeah, but the whole character is very much a, a character of convenience and to serve various um, plot contrivances. So I mean, it's it's hard to, to well, it's it's to punch
0: that far up. No, and I I get that. I just like the the characters played for comedy a little bit. Mm-hmm. And and like I, I I think there. That's probably not the way to go with it. Um, mm-hmm. like I get that you wanted to to seem harmless at this stage. He's like, oh, he's a harmless old drunk. He doesn't know anything. But I think that there's,
1: um, he's actually superfluous too, right? Because I think that the the point that I think they're trying to make at the end of the episode, which I won't pre spoil, could have been better made by because they they take the time to set the chess pieces of uh there's those survivors of the camp on the station because they want to see justice or whatever. They could have easily used them as the as the mechanism to what happens? They could have, although I
0: think that they I think yeah, again we're talking about the themes at the end of the of the episode, but it's kind of that it, the the story is sort of what the story it's it's an idea. Um, I think their point was the the average person's hatred being created by this, not mm-hmm. the actual victims, and I and I I actually kind of like that it's not one of the victims who does this, that it's just just a Bajoran, and
1: well, go ahead. Yeah, that no, that makes sense because I guess that yes, there's a distinction there, right? Because they would be vindicated to want. Um, I, they would be justified, I feel, in wanting retribution for anybody who right. was there. Any the all. Right. the complicity of inaction, right? Which I think is what he's dealing with himself sure. anyway. The, yeah, um, which is what is so complex about it. And I love uh, versus, like you said, the story that's been told, the sort of just overarching sentiment from the the average right. Well, and Bajoran, it, it, it so.
0: becomes it's it becomes racism in reaction to atrocity. Right. Not specific, I'm not angry at specific Cardassians, I'm just angry at Cardassians, period. And which is the conse- logical consequence of an occupation like this. But that is in itself another level of tragedy, another level of of darkness that has happened there. Anyway, uh, so we go back to Cisco's office, and Bashir confirms that Maritza does indeed have Kalinora. Uh, and that he was lying when he said he had something similar. And that proves that he was actually at the labor camp. So we've uh, we've caught him in a lie here, the first one. So Sisko uh, then has a Zoom with a Bajoran minister who thanks him for capturing a Cardassian war criminal. He also says that Kira has taken responsibility for the situation. When Cisco pushes back on having the jurisdiction... The minister says we will have him, Um, and uh, appropriate nothing. That's good visual effects on that Zoom call. Yeah, Um, because that that was not um, done in camera. That was done in post. But to have the the layer, because you have right, you have the 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 back the background that you're on, which probably is a blue screen or green green screen. Then you have the video overlaid on that, and then you're overlaying the reflection. To show the the depth on that that's good stuff yeah that's good stuff, guys um anyway, so we begin act two on the promenade. Cisco sits down with Kira and tells her he wants odo to take over the investigation now i don't know what that table is in the middle of the hallway that she's i guess mm-hmm. it's like a restaurant the the architecture of the restaurants that aren't quarks on uh uh, are, are a little are a little bit weird on deep space nine because they just sort of like spill out into the it's like it's like you're in an airport because that's essentially what deep space nine is this is an airport but they've they've got like sidewalk seating in an airport
1: <laughs> i think that's what's yeah, happening there. I, you can also tell every time they move the little flowers on the desk are like
0: yeah <laughs> they should have locked the, those flowers down yeah um yeah uh, anyway, so he uh, he wants Otter to take over the investigation. Uh, he reminds Kira that until there's proof, Maritza is just a traveler under suspicion. Kira denies being on a vendetta and promises to be impartial. She asks Sisko as a friend, because the Bajoran needs to be the person to investigate for the honor of all those who died.
1: Uh, and, Sisko and Mike dreams. takes the two worst screenshots of all time. <laughs> One, two. This terribly serious... <laughs> Beautiful yeah. scene. <laughs>
0: that is how it is immortalized. Uh, uh, well, anyway, Cisco agreeing, I think, is uh, once again, Cisco does really good Ciscoing in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, makes makes good, fair, rational decisions, and her point that it should be a Bajoran who does this investigation is a good one. I get it, um, and. Him pushing back, like, okay, but you have to be impartial. All of that's good. That's that's all good Star Trek world. Uh, Kira goes to the brig as Odo lets the drunk out. The drunk reinforces that he wants the Cardassian hanged. Odo's been investigating, and so far, Maritza's story checks out. Uh, Kira then goes to talk to the prisoner. Maritza complains he doesn't have any Yamic sauce. Call back! Gotta love that word. I world. said I Girl. know I like, a guy. We know a guy. <laughs> we do. Dude, he knew 5,000 ravages. We got it. Um, He says that uh, he accuses Kira's passion of being persecuting Cardassians. And here's where uh, we see the next level of defenses break down. He admits being at Galatep. But says Kira but tells Kira you'll be disappointed. And that he was merely a file clerk. He mentions here his boss, Goldar Heel. This is the big, big bad here. Uh, but he liked he mentions that Goldar Heel liked his filing system. And he jokes about awaiting execution. Kira does not find it funny, but still thinks he's lying. Um God, it's uh, the, the nuances of the performance here is so because he's there's like at this point he's telling the truth, but lying, right? He's he's trying to lie by telling the truth. He's charming mm-hmm. and yet malevolent at the same time. It's that's a if you think about it from the standpoint of an actor, that's a hard lift mm-hmm. to to seem like you're lying when you're telling the truth, and to have the and right. have so many different layers of intention.
1: Uh, behind your performance, and 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 laying the and laying the groundwork for your heel turn, right, where you can be the big bad. That's right. Uh, so as to obfuscate the truth you just told. Right. It's it's I love it. it it's it's so interesting. Whilst, mm-hmm. well, when we get there, role playing the big bad so well, right, using what he observed, right right and having to put on that sort of egotism and and uh evil grandiosity I is, yeah. yeah i mean grandiosity grandi- grandi- really, yeah yeah
0: and and while showing all of the emotions behind all of mm-hmm. that because he's writing right. the real maritza's guilt and shame and anger yes. and sadness underneath the rage and pomp pomposity and the whatever of of the character he's playing, and we forget there's an actor underneath that. So we have an Correct. actor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So at this point in this scene, we have actor, we have Maritza, we have Darheel we have Maritza. It's, it's it. It's a ton. It's a ton. And um, it's a ton. Yeah. I we'll we'll we'll, we'll talk more uh, about Harris Yellen, but oh my goodness, what a performance! Anyway, uh, oh, go ahead. No, that's all. Okay, very good. Um, So, uh, she asks him if he witnessed the atrocities. He says he vaguely heard a scream from time to time, but denies the atrocities altogether. He says if people died there, it was because of accidents and fights. And there is a... Um, so this is talking about layers, right? So this is him playing the part of Maritza who is cold and uncaring and in denial, not the Maritza, the true one who is feeling all of this. Um, But he, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's brutal. His, his callousness and his denial there is very shocking. um, If you're watching it and you see that in Nana's performance, Uh, he continues. He said that Galdar heel started the rumors about the brutality in order to scare Bajorans to help keep them feeling helpless and like victims. He asks to be let go, but Kira says no, and he accuses her again of only wanting vengeance. And that takes us into Act 3, where we get a Zoom from Galdukat Dukat, who we haven't... Look at that screenshot. Oh, terrifying. <laughs> we get a Zoom from Galdukat with Sisko, asking why they're holding on to Maritza. Sisko asks for information about his real identity, and Ducat says they're just holding on to him because he's Cardassian uh Ducat says that the Bajorans are hate mongers obsessed with the idea of the atrocities at galatep um i mean so we've we've seen we seen a little bit of of Ducat here um now we've we've seen him in
1: in the pilot, and then maybe one other episode. Is that true? Do you remember? Yes. When he's, like, uh, playing spy with... Uh, oh, with Odo. Um, uh, oh, no. Quark. With
0: Quark. Quark. Quark, right? I think. I don't remember. Uh, so what are you right. thinking about... So uh, now inclusive of this episode, what are your feelings about Ducat?
1: Do you have any yet? Have you formed an opinion yet? Uh, I- much no, much like I felt when I first met him. There's a duplicity at play, um, but there's also an implicit trust. And I think I, what we learned this episode is that Odo has a dubious trust of him, much like he does Quark. Um, they've they have worked together. It appears they have a history, so they 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 tend to take his uh, his information at face value with a. A large grain of salt is what I'm picking yeah. up thus far.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, that, I think that's fair. I mean, I think um, at this point, we don't really know what his motivations are yet. And he's representing the Cardassians, and we don't really know what their motivations are yet. Um, and I think his and Odo's relationship is interesting because we've mentioned it sort of off, offhand before, but Odo was in his position before Starfleet showed up. So he was he was the the cop mm. on the station during the occupation under the Cardassians. So he's talking to Ducat because Ducat used to be his Cisco. Um and so Right. So that and 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 Odo's playing that role with both sides in charge is gonna be an interesting thing that we explore moving forward. So uh, as we continue on the promenade, Kira and Dax discuss the situation. Kira's beginning to doubt herself. She doesn't want Maritza to be a file clerk, uh, because she wants him to be punished to give Bajor some satisfaction. And Dax reminds her that she knows that Mm. if she punishes an innocent man, it won't mean anything, and that vengeance isn't enough. And I think that is a very important uh, sort of couplet through this, um, that... I mean obviously Kira wants to catch the big bad and wants to see punishment and wants retribution mm-hmm. and why wouldn't she? And I and I think it says something I think mm-hmm. this beat is where Kira proves everyone else wrong that she's not on a pointless thing for vengeance. Her she I mean she wants she she wants retribution she wants that but her Willingness
1: to doubt herself shows that that's not what she's doing. Um, exactly. I think the important the hero beat here uh, to use the to I don't mean to, to be glib about it, but the hero beat here is that she recognizes her bias, yeah, which is important. Yeah. And I think that it is, um, yeah, and it is it leads to be a good uh commander, it leads to be a good investigator in this case and i think she knows it and and yet regardless she still is uh in pursuit of the truth although we'll find that she so going forward when she does show uh um flares of passion we we recognize they're tempered um with her yep. her, her her outer in, in words words soup mm-hmm. words that yeah. i'm saying say words words and words Well, and I I think that really is where you get to
0: true leadership and true professionalism is that you feel the feelings that you feel and you still behave professionally and you still, Mm -hmm. you're still able to observe yourself somewhat objectively when you're having subjective emotions. And that is what we call on our leaders, our teachers, our cops, our judicial system to do, right? Because you... You feel what you feel. Mm-hmm. And and you know, she's very very understandable yeah. that she feels what she feels, and that she's still able to stay one foot objective. Uh anyway, it's a it's such a good episode for Kira. The character, such a great episode for Nana Visitor. Yeah. Like, anyway. So uh meanwhile, O'Brien is working with a cute Bajoran engineer. O- O'Brien's in the episode. O'Brien's in the episode. And he's working with a cute Bajoran engineer as Otto confirms that uh, Maritza was indeed teaching filing at the military academy. So after the, after the war uh, Maritza went to a military academy to teach filing. Um, So uh, Dax and O'Brien have been working to try to enhance one of the few images still remaining from Galatep that shows Maritza. And this is also why, um, Kira might not know what uh, Darheel looks like because they destroyed most of the records. Um, unlike the Nazis who documented everything, um, they uh they enhance. Okay, so if this picture proves that he was just a file clerk, Cisco says they have to let him go. They enhance the picture and discover that the image does not look like the man in holding the image of Maritza. They keep looking at the picture and discover that the man in the cell is actually Gul Darheel, the big bad. Um, and f- just to talk about like the-, the tech of all of this, it's interesting that they're able to extrapolate what his face looked like, even though the picture did not show his face. they sort of like, eh, move that guy out of the way and extrapolate what the face would look He's like. He's like behind another head. But I imagine that these i mean obviously this is not like standard two dimensional photographs that there's probably a in these days three mm-hmm. d metadata um and there there are hollow pictures in this uh in this time frame in Star trek where you you take a picture and then you can create that whole room in the hollow in the hollow suite, so perhaps it was something like that that they were working with um but certainly was. Uh, convenient, and of course, here we are, dun-dun-dun, it's Galdar Heel. Now, at this point, Mike, were you you thinking that, like, yep, they caught him?
1: Sort of. So, the the reason for pause was that there was 19 or 21 minutes left in the episode. Mm -hmm. So, it seemed a little premature to reveal the big uh, swap. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did seem clear that from our initial, um, our first talk with Galdukat that he seemed to be on the up and up was the vibe the performance was giving me. So I knew there was yet another deception at play or at least which I turned out to be right. So, so yeah. I mean, yes and no. I, I would say that I didn't, I didn't think the jig was up, but I didn't know what the jig was. Fair enough. I, th- I think that's, I think that's, what
0: a viewer would would get from that at the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, Kira talks to him and accuses him of killing the real Maritza and taking his place to escape punishment. Um, logical. Makes perfect sense. And the Cardassian finally confesses to being the Butcher of Galatep. Kira says they're going to try him for war crimes, but he says... There was no war. Bajor merely surrendered without honor. And so he's talking about a heel turn, right? He's now like, I'm going full heel. I'm going to try to be as awful as I possibly can. Oh, and chewing
1: the scenery up. Yeah,
0: for sure. And uh, Kira says the Bajorans were a peaceful people before the occupation and asks why they had to be so brutal. Uh, Goldar Heels starts shouting proudly about his brutality and leadership. He admits everything proudly, and he says he exterminated the Bajorans. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, even without this being a metaphor, it's very shocking. Um, it's very intense, and it's, mm-hmm. it, it has a level of um, darkness that I don't think we've seen thus far on Deep Space Nine.
1: Because right. 'cause we're you know what we're talking yeah, about. It's intense. It's really and especially intense. the And especially what they are you know, once again what it's analogous to and what they're they're hammering and it is uh it's it's triggering, I'm yeah. sure. No, for sure. And and he does, and he he lists out some of
0: the atrocities and I mean it's yeah, I mean it's it's not TV sci fi dark. That's just dark and and it's it's just
1: brutal and upsetting and um you know it needs to be but but i think the episode doesn't ends up not working if it's not that's right that's right it
0: has to be real the stakes here have to be real the emotional stakes have to be it it can't be safe trek sci-fi darkness it has to be it has to be real um So, uh, in Act 4, Kira sits in Odo's office. He brings her a drink. She could use it. (laughs) She wonders how many more like him are out there. Odo advises her to lie down, but she refuses. She talks about her time in the Shakar Resistance Force, and they realize that the Cardassian knew about her being in the Shakar Force when he shouldn't have. Gul Darheel wouldn't know that something isn't Mm. right Um, uh, so uh, that is uh, you know so almost immediately we get our like wait a minute in this Uh, so Kira goes to have another discussion with Darheel meanwhile Odo asks the computer who has asked about Kira lately which is interesting Uh, she asked Darheel how he knew that she was in the Shakar force, Um, he says that Maritza gave him the information from his files. He says he was reassured by the termination reports. He wants, then, to ask her some questions. They keep talking. Outside of Odo's office, a group of survivors from Galatep have gathered, and even Quark is horrified by what they went through. Um, So, yeah, I mean, obviously the analogy is... Uh, until
1: he cracks a joke until, until he, he cracks, until, until he cracks,
0: he cracks a, joke. a joke and asks if they like gambling um so you know quark gonna quark but it is interesting that um Armin plays quark gonna quark quark and a quark mm-hmm. but Armin plays that beat seriously like he's like it's it's clear that quark even yeah. even quark is like Jesus um so I think that's a uh, that's interesting uh so odo goes to Bashir and says that months ago, and, and Bashir says months ago, someone named Maritza looked for information on Kira. And Odo asks Bashir to track down Maritza's medical records. So we're starting to see that maybe Maritza didn't show up here accidentally. Then Odo calls up his old boss, Gold Dukat, and we are reminded that they worked together during the occupation. Dukat denies Odo's request for information on Gul Darhil, but he does say that Darhil is dead and that Dukat attended his funeral, and he was buried under a giant military monument as a hero to the Cardassians. Um, so uh, definitely an interesting little sliver of information about where the Cardassian government or their people are still at. That they have a monument to this guy. So the occupation ended, but their Mm -hmm. way of existing has not. Um, So uh, when Odo asks Ducat, tells Ducat that the prisoner has admitted to being Darheel, Ducat is shocked and says he's lying. He assumes it's some plot to embarrass the Cardassian Empire. So Odo asks for proof. Dukat finally resent, relents and gives him access to the files. In the brig, Kira and the Cardassian discuss her career in the resistance. She started fighting when she was 12. Um, another piece of backstory for Kira, where she's coming from. She was a child soldier, essentially. Um, he asks her how many she killed. She admits to regretting much of what she did, but she was fighting for survival. And the Cardassian blusters that he was fighting for Cardassian. She says, nothing justifies genocide. And he continues to go, he responds, what you call genocide, I call a day's work. Um, so really just go in full um, supervillain, really. Um, Odo calls Kira aside and tells her that the man in the cell wanted to be caught. So now we have another layer of the uh, the onion here. And we go to Act 5. Odo talks to Cisco, Sisko talks and shows him a document confirming that Darheel died six years before. Kira naturally thinks it's a trick. Odo says Darheel never contracted Kalinora Syndrome because when the mining accident happened, he was on Cardassia getting an award. So therefore, the man in Odo's cell cannot, be Darheel. The man in the cell apparently quit his job and settled his affairs, then intentionally ended up on Deep Space Nine to be caught. Kira still says it's Darheel, and that Sisko should go talk to him. And then, here we get the reveal, Bashir shows up and says that Maritza got plastic surgery to look like Gal Darheel. Um, and so uh, Kira goes back for another one of her conversations, with the prisoner um, and she interrogates him this time trying to make him confess that he is not Gul darheel Which which um, I love these scenes between the two of them because every, every time they go it's... in, both of them have a different intention and it really is like a play. Mm-hmm. And I, I could have, I think they could have spread those conversations out for 90 minutes. They could have made a whole play just in their two conversations. And,
1: and in some ways, yeah. I imagine, I you know what, between us, I imagine, I, I imagine they shot all of these sequentially, probably in one day. Yeah, I'd love to just see that footage of the of the.
0: Yeah, well, you know, the- and I and I think that this wasn't really practical um, because of the structure of the show. But if I bet, if it were done today, in sort of the prestige TV, the way we did this, this would be a two hander. It would just be the two of them the entire episode, Mm -hmm. and we would find out all of these informations in just their conversation, and I would be there for it. Um, But nonetheless, what does happen is that she uh, interrogates him, and he breaks and starts to shout, and the harder he fights, the more Kira realizes that he is indeed Maritza, the filing clerk. Maritza finally breaks down and confesses to his guilt of witnessing the horror and doing nothing to stop it. Kira drops the force field and tells him he didn't commit the atrocities and that he couldn't stop them. Maritza begs her to let him stand trial as Guldar Heel to prove Cardassia's guilt and to hold it accountable. And Kira, going back to what Dax said, says that would be just another murder. And that she won't let another innocent man die. Uh, so, this breakdown scene is, I, I think, just phenomenal. Um, I mean, like you have,
1: yeah. I I don't think there's, uh, yeah. There's no way to to really like overstate how excellent it is, and 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 then when you really start to unpack it just uh how powerful it is and what it's trying to say i mean we talk about big ideas on the show all the time and it's the amount of empathy and humanity it's it's trying to pack into uh this this waxing on forgiveness and and on complicity complicity and uh, guilt and it's it's so much and uh you know, we said this when the episode, the bottle episode in the elevator. Mm. Uh in lesser hands, I don't know that it could have been handled so deftly, but uh they were lucky to have two incredible actors doing it. And uh maybe point out, under all of that Cardassian makeup. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no yeah, less. For sure. Um and uh yeah, and it's a it's a big performance, but it needs to be. It needs to be. And it's mm-hmm. and and he's earned that, I think, at this point. Um so, yeah, I mean, it's a scene that I can't get through without tearing up myself. Like, I think it's just, a, it's just so human, <laughs> even though he's mm-hmm. obviously a Cardassian, yeah. but um, it's really something. And uh, so Kira tells Maritza that he was doing the honorable thing, and that if Cardassia is going to change, they're going to need more honorable men. Then, of course, the drunk Bajoran stabs and kills Maritza. When confronted with the fact that it wasn't Darheel, the Bajoran says he's a Cardassian. that's enough. Um, and that is the end of duet. So uh yeah, I mean that the, that twist at the end, I remember the first time I saw it. I did not expect that twist, although I guess you sh- as you should have, right? but um I was I didn't see that coming. But it's all it's very Shakespearean. Which which twist?
1: H- him being stabbed at the end. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it may yeah, once once it, once it happens, you realize it makes sense because it they need to hammer it home. Because it's the it's the, the point is that she might have had that revelation, right? But until we all have it, which is that like kind of what he his whole plan was, right? Yeah. Uh we can't we can't move forward really. It's the cycle no. will continue to repeat. Yeah. All right, well, out of that incredibly uh,
0: incredibly dark ending, you know what it's time for. And now it's time for Mike and Deglio's Star Trek All vocabulary All right, your first quiz. one is
1: Kalanora. Keith, it's <coughs> what I'm suffering from mm-hmm, currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, no, that's terrible. No, it's a disease that could have only be gotten from a, a, an explosion in a, a concentration camp that uh, puts you in a time and a place. It
0: sure does. And uh, your next word is Shakar Resistance Force.
1: That's the elite Green Beret-esque liberation force that uh, Kira was a part of that liberated said camp. Uh, Indeed, that she uh, began as a
0: 12-year-old. Jesus. All right, so let us uh, move forward Mike, I think I can see from your eyes. You could probably move along home. Okay, first up, uh, Mike, uh, were there any? I'm back. I'm back. There's two of me again there there I go uh <laughs> were there any wormholes in the plot this week
1: um the only thing i could really uh come up with is the possibility that in his plotting of the his deception I suppose he would assume that galdicott and any any officials from the uh, from that side of the occupation would not give up any records that would that would reveal his surgeries and kind of. But but that said, he did kind of prethink their whole investigation. Mm-hmm. So it seems like a gap in logic that he wouldn't think that they could potentially come up with the medical records that would kind of. Undo him well, I think well,
0: in terms of the Cardassians, I think that he would assume that everyone would assume that whatever the Cardassians said was a lie. Oh, you gave us a death certificate for this guy, yeah, sure, right, Oh, you built him a pyramid, yeah, yeah whatever, who cares? The medical records were actually that came from the medical side, not from from Ducat, I believe um that that. That's the one thing that I think that he would have thought to scrub those records. Um but my you know, my mm. my only wormhole here is sort of a similar uh knit to pick here. Although I think that's look, we're doing sci fi. I, I get it. Like and 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 for the standpoint of the story that we're telling, it doesn't really matter. So if I have one wormhole, uh, in this plot, and it's not it's not a big one, but I think just in terms of sci-fi and technology, that I would imagine that if you have war crimes tribunals happening, um, and all of these uh, major events, that they would have DNA records for all these people, mm. and that Bashir would be able to do a very quick scan and you know confirm by DNA or whatever's next after DNA. Uh, exactly who these people are, and in the scan that he did for Kalinora, uh, I would imagine he'd be able to tell that there had been, uh, you know, reconstructive surgery done. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess I can, I can change that by the fact that the Cardassians probably destroyed all the records of the DNA stuff, and they probably, you know, burned down everything everybody touched on their way out, so nobody would know. And similarly, perhaps the cosmetic surgery of the day is done in such a way that it's uh, untraceable. Who knows? Um, Well, those are just sort of questions that I had. But I didn't really have any serious wormholes in this plot. But you want to know what I did have a lot of? Best moments. Mike, what's your best moment Mm. from Duet? You beamed yourself I think it's got
1: to be... I did, I did. Uh, I think it's got to be... man every every scene in the two hand part was yeah. great, but I think it's that the the big reveal. I loved Kira's opening scene because it's like from nowhere it had to kind of be that dramatic and that sentimental but that that scene where he breaks down and she shows this the empathy I think is just everything that makes this episode special because there are so many points there are so many moments where I think it would be acceptable and it would still be a pretty decent episode to have just told the story you think that's coming, right? That I thought right. was coming, which is like everyone there was complicit in the atrocity. And so Kira's justified and whatnot. And the fact that it turns out to, to turn on its head and and show that you can still have forgiveness for those who were put into a terrible position doing terrible things, it, 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 it's so nuanced and such such a deep cut that, it's it's really special, I think, and and in a t- ter- and a very difficult story to tell. To be like, let's find. I mean, basically, you're saying let's find the IT guy for the Nazis and find a way yeah. to show him empathy. And that's yeah. Like at a pitch meeting, I'd be like, "You sure you want? You sure that's what you want to say?" But <laughs> what it says, what it really shows, yeah, is the humanity of Kira and the Bajorans and what what really an yeah. elevated society would be able to do. Because she'd be totally justified and be like, "I don't care who you are." I don't care if you swept the floor. Fuck you. You deserve it, you know? Yeah. And and I think that there is um
0: there's an argument to be made that, you know, that he yeah. he has some level of responsibility and complicity in in that. And he and I, I think he absolutely does. And I think that is reflected in his own behavior, in his own feelings. And, you know, and I think he you know it's it's tough cuz there's a lot of stuff a lot of bad stuff that happens that people who weren't directly involved but indirectly involved and you know and and we have such a black and white of thinking thinking of these things like you either have 100% responsibility or no responsibility mm-hmm. and so we're searching for absolution when really there's something in the middle that calls for forgiveness not absolution mm-hmm. and i think that that is a really um it's so a really nuanced. So I I I should give my favorite moment. I I it's the same thing. Like I I it's the mm-hmm. same scene I think is I, I I guess I consider all their conversations one big scene um yeah. which is like I said before like that's I I would love to see that as a play. I just do it as a mm-hmm. whole 90 minute play. Um but I I think within that scene and he gives such an amazing performance here but I think I'm going to My favorite moment is uh, Nana Visitor's reaction shots through this. Because on her face, in her experience, you see Kira go from hate to pity to empathy and finally to respect. And that Mm -hmm. is a journey that she does almost mostly non-verbally. And uh, it, it is something to watch. And, um, a level, and I, you know, look, I'm going to say something sacrilegious. Uh, it's a, it's a higher level of acting than we usually see on Star Trek. And, um, you know, which is not, not a slight on the actors from next gen or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, Patrick Stewart, I know, uh, is, is a, is a god of acting, but, but frequently, because of the tone of the show and the way that what the, what's asked of the actors from the producers they don't get to fully engage emotionally it's very stoic it's very stylized it's very um rigid and the you know and, and and I know that even on Voyager like you know you hear Garrett Wang say like we were told like do not feel feelings like do not express emotions keep it very right here um and this is where Deep Space Nine sticks out a little bit from a lot of Star Trek. I mean, obviously, you know, today, the contemporary, you might argue this, it may be a little overwrought. But it was very underwrought for much of the 90s. But Deep Space Nine sticks out as, like, they allowed their actors to act and actually get into it. And this is a great example of that. Um, All right, so let us continue the discussion and uh, hand out some self-sealing stem bolts. What do you say?
1: I think it's a great idea. I um you know I think what what takes it from a good episode to a great episode is yes, I think the deception, the plot mechanism, the machinations, I think the 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 journey we get there, the performances, all of that we've we've talked about. But I think the 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 stroke of genius in the writing here that I really brings it home for me is that at the end, you know, it could have it could look, it could have been about like I said before, complicity. Could have been about forgiveness. All of these things are explored. But when you get to him, it wasn't him where I thought it was gonna end up. It wasn't him saying, you know what, I did all of these things and I need to be I need to be punished. And so this is sort of like a circuitous route to suicide, mm. right? For punishment yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Which would have been interesting as well. But instead, what he divulges is that I need this to happen so that it forces the um, Kardashian- Kardashians. Kardashian, Kardashians. You know
0: we're going to have a, a, a Kardashian jar. Every time yeah, you say you have to put right. a dollar in a jar.
1: If, uh, he need, he wants the Kardashians not to, but to admit to have to acknowledge their guilt. Their yep. complicity their and you can even tell as as you know Golddecott says earlier that they still are celebrating they' still are seeing it. it's like the South still celebrating, you know, yeah, and uh I thought that's what really elevated it because it's it, it just <sighs> we talk about them trying to blow up big ideas and discuss big ideas. I mean they shoot they bit it off here, yeah, and I think. I think really knocked it out of the park. Um so I'm as far as a rating goes, I want to say that for me it's right up there with uh the episode with Odo in the in the in the elevator. Mhm. Um which was a much smaller human story uh and this forsaken, is a much larger what you're about. Yeah. the forsaken. This is a much larger um complex Exploration handled just as well. I I really can't, just sitting here right now, I really can't give the edge one way or the other. Mm -hmm. I think this had less fat, I would say. They they trimmed the fat much better in this episode and was pretty well-focused. So what what did I give the Forsaken? Uh, You gave 91.5. Okay, so I'm gonna go ahead and then give this 91.75 because I think they, they... they trimmed the fat and was a little bit more focused, but I, I don't want to give it a full other a full other number because they, they are very much and hey, I hope it's a lesson learned for future episodes. Some of these bottle episodes, some of these really focused episodes can work just as well.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, boy, this is this is one of my, for me personally, one of my top five episodes of the of all of Deep Space Nine. Um okay. and uh it's you know when you talk about trimming the fat. There's no B story at all. Yeah, right. There's Correct. only an A story, and um, that was brilliant and great. And I'm and I, I was grateful for that because it gave this the time it deserves to breathe. Um, you know, your point about the larger image of what he was going for as it relates to Cardassia. I think, really got me thinking, because this, beyond the individual personal stakes, his larger objective, which was to hold Cardassia accountable for what it has done, with the purpose of helping Cardassia, help heal Cardassia, that he's fighting for accountability as a form of patriotism which is such that's such a heady big thing that we're i mean we're fighting this every single day right now as as we are wrestling with our own country's history and and and, and present and trying to hold accountable for our failures for our mistakes for the things that we're still doing wrong our institutional failures and every time people try to hold us accountable for the greater good to make the united states a better country they're accused of attacking the country of not being patriotic of not loving their country and i think this is a this is the the opposite of that this is i'm attacking i'm i'm trying to hold my country accountable and change it for the better because i love it not because i hate it because we deserve a country that does better and a society that does better. And that is, I mean, you talk about contemporary, that's every every instant of our lives right now, especially now. Um, and that war is happening. The, like, do not hold us accountable, otherwise you're not patriotic, or... No, we need to be held accountable and we need to change stuff. And in order to do that, we're going to have to be uncomfortable. We're going to have to look at uncomfortable things. We're going to have to, you know, in his case, like we're going to have to see the Cardassians need to see what we did at Galatep and, and face that and really come to terms with that. And that's not comfortable. It's not going to make you feel good about yourself or your country. But if you really love your country, you, you got to look at it. You gotta do that surgery. Mm-hmm. You gotta, mm-hmm. you, you know, you gotta excavate that because that's the only way to heal and have the country. And it's an act of patriotism. All right. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, the the mystery of it unraveling, I found that very satisfying. I found the performances extraordinary. I found the writing really good. I mean, just really tight writing the scenes together. Mm-hmm. Um, There was no unnecessary couplet. Everything there was important. Everything there was necessary. We learned about Bajor. We learned about Cardassia. We learned about each of these characters. We learned... um, We went on this huge emotional journey. And, you know, what do you want? You want to think and you want to feel. And this episode makes you think and it makes you feel. Um, And that is the absolute pinnacle of of what sci-fi can be and you're telling a contemporary story through a sci-fi lens so that you know maybe people who don't want to hear that story accidentally digest it <laughs> which is something that has happened in the tradition of Star Trek you know you had stand-ins for all sorts of uh things happening in you know 1960s we had stand-ins for racism that racists watch and like, oh, it's an alien. They're not talking about me until they realize like, oh shit, no, they are talking about me. And I think that that is, um, that's, that's what you, that's what, that's what we're here for. That's what, that is the nature of Star Trek in my opinion. That is what it's about. Um, and so as a result, if I'm, I use this episode, if, if I have somebody I'm trying to get into Star Trek Who's like, I don't know, like they're all like meep morp and like aliens and like it's all like military, just no emotions, and you're like blah, 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 beep, pop, beep, pop, techno babble. I show them this episode as what it can be. That it, all of those criticisms, like, yeah, you're right, it is all of that, but it's also this. And this is what it this is what you can get by building that world. So uh yeah, it's it's one of my top five. Deep Space Nine episodes. It might be one of my top five or top ten Star Trek episodes. Period. Um, which is interesting because it is a very small story, and it's a like right. it, it, there's there's no pew pews. There's this isn't a war. This isn't a whatever. This is just a small emotional journey that I think is um, so valuable. So that's a very long way of saying I'm giving it a full ninety five self-sealing stem bolts. Wow, big time. Big time. Right. It's uh it's a it's a big one for me. Um so I I'm re- really really looking forward to uh, talking about it. So here we are. So next week Mike, do you know that next week is our season finale? Yeah, I just saw that when I was dialing it up. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a short season. Season 1 was short as uh, <laughs> But we're running out of money, folks. We were running out of money. Uh, but I don't. Th- I think that's they only ordered nineteen episodes. But the next episode is in the hands of the prophets, and this is a very important episode because we meet for the first time Space Karen. So Ooh, okay, uh, look out and uh, looking po- forward to it. Yeah, possibly played by a very famous Oscar-winning villain. So, uh, it's going to be fun. So, uh, yeah, so we will see you back here next week within the Hands of the Prophet. If you're still here, uh, I'm guessing by now, if you're still here, you've already liked and subscribed, but, you know, double check, subscribe your cat. We're so close to releasing The Wrath of Niner. Mike, why don't you thank yeah. our patrons one more time and, uh, tell people why they should
1: join them. You get all kinds of fun stuff. Episodes that will be better than this one, I promise. Sorry, I'm on location. Uh, Brian Kaufman, Casey Clark, Cloud Lover 69 Jorge Nabo and the mysterious Alan Zimmerman, CRM Productions, Charles Babbage, and Kyle Sweeney. Thank you so much. Uh, we look forward to next week, Keith. I look forward to uh, working out some of the kinks with you. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, we'll be back to our regular scheduled studio soon enough when I'm unemployed once again. Uh, but until then... Until then, we'll see you next
0: week with uh, Keith and Mike, work out the kinks! And watch Deep Space Nine. We'll see you next week. Thank you for watching K&M Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash